I don't know how any of you like handle talking to or hanging around kids, but I'm usually pretty cool with them. I like kids or even before I had a kid, I could just talk to a child and it's fine. I'd listen to them and whatever, but it's weird. You know, if I have, especially if I have people come to like deliver things to the house while my son is here, you know, if it's whatever food or groceries or, you know, a package, mailman, mail carrier, mail person, uh, you know, he gets super excited. He likes talking to people a lot. So he'll like run to the door. I'll open it and he'll talk to them. He'll say hi. He'll tell them he's Batman or whatever superhero he is. And he'll do like a voice. And, uh, you know, when they leave, I've taught him to say thank you for whatever they did. But it's weird. Like, I don't know, 80% of the time, the people just stare at him. They don't know what to say. Like, they're just like, uh, and they just ignore him. It's really weird. And then he'll say to me, like, Daddy, he didn't hear me or she didn't say hello back or, you know, why didn't they talk to me? Um, And, I, you know, I just explain like, oh, maybe they didn't hear you or some people get uncomfortable when they're speaking to people. But, you know, I'm really proud of you for doing it. Um, It's super weird. I mean, maybe part of it could potentially be people, adults are nervous to talk to kids around their parents for fear of like, I don't know, the parent being upset. Um, But it's like, I'm right there with him and I'm smiling and, you know, it's just weird. I I don't know. Um, Kids are are people. They're just people. I don't know why you don't talk to them. It's super weird. Welcome to Porb. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. I, I, he's uh, even other kids get nervous when or clam up, you know, because he'll go up to them and say his name and ask them their name and ask if they want to play or whatever. Um, but I guess that's not often taught or something that to interact that way. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know. Um, like I'm scared of anything ever happening to him. I'm super hyper aware of everything he's doing, where he is, what he's saying, what, you know, who he's with. Uh, but even so, you know, if I'm there, he's safe and, you know, I'm, I'm right there. So I encourage him to talk to people, interact and stuff. It's just, it's interesting that, especially with adults, uh, a lot of adults will like not know how to talk to him some do some are great obviously um and they'll be really cool about it uh, but some are you know they, i don't know it's weird so if, if a kid talks to you just talk to them like a person i mean maybe they don't want to hear about your taxes or you know somebody you're trying to hook up with so you know there's conversation that's appropriate or not appropriate but you should totally just talk to them they're people kids are people anyway E3 was over the weekend. Or is it done? Did they finish? Is it still going? I don't know. E3, if anybody... Oh, that's interesting. It was a year ago that I started this podcast. Because on the first episode, I talked about E3 last year. What was I excited for then? I don't know. Oh, Rage 2, which sucked. And... uh Maybe the Resident Evil remake, which is great. 
I'm like barely into it. Like I'm only like an hour in, but it's great. Um, what else? Oh, the new Elder Scrolls game. Whenever that eventually comes out. So anyway, this year, um, I didn't really pay attention to it. I just caught random things on Twitter or YouTube. But I mean, the biggest thing that I'm insanely excited for is they're doing a sequel to Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is the last big Zelda game. Came out on Wii U and Switch a couple years ago. And it's amazing. And like I said, and I showed a couple episodes ago, I'm playing it again uh, on PC. And they're doing a sequel to it. And it's cool because not only like that game is fucking incredible. Um, but Zelda as a series doesn't often do sequels. Like the first few games on NES, the Nintendo, there were sequels. But since then, pretty much every new Zelda game has been a separate story. You know, they're all in the same universe, the same world rather. And they'll reference things, but I can't think of like a direct sequel. Well, this is a direct sequel, so that's pretty neat. I'm really excited to like stay in the world, stay in that um, with those characters, stay with that character design or that um, creative design, you know, that cell shading and, you know, the hieroglyphics everywhere and stuff like that. I'm really excited to it. The teaser, I guess, it's not a trailer. The teaser looks incredible. Um, yeah, I'm super excited. I can't wait. Yeah, really, really, really excited. And um, Borderlands 3 looks fantastic. I'm, I like Borderlands a lot. I actually just, because of Borderlands 3, I just, I never finished Borderlands 2. I got, I don't know, an hour from the end and I, you know, sidetracked or whatever. So I just got back into it and it's awesome. And Steam had this ridiculous sale for like every piece of DLC. I had some, but I don't know, maybe a quarter of the DLC, the downloadable content um but everything else which is hours and hours and hours of gameplay and you know new character models or skins or whatever um for like three dollars the jew in me just couldn't pass up that deal and i'm playing it again it's awesome um really fun games i'm excited they made a lot of improvements that is a, a game i respect a lot because they and I mean this in a good way, they cater to their fans. Like, they don't make the game punishing. You know, like, uh, From Software, the company that does uh, Dark Souls or Demon Souls and uh, that new game Sekiro, and they're doing another game with, like, George R. R. Martin. They're a fuck... And, like, you know, Team Ninja, who does Ninja Gaiden and stuff like that. They're a fucking punishing developer. Like, they want you to struggle and really, really, really have to focus and be, like, a precision gamer which is cool there's a space for that for sure I every once in a while I like doing that and it it's very reminiscent to games when I grew up uh, in the 80s and 90s games were fucking hard back then um, they were really hard and if you fucked up you know an inch from the finish line you'd have to start again you know prior to checkpoints and you know the games now they do have checkpoints but they're very far away and few and far between um, so there's a space for that too but with uh, Gearbox is the company that does borderlands it's like a very stylized tongue-in-cheek um so there's a lot of comedy but it's a it's a shooter and a, a looter they call him a looter shooter i hate things that rhyme uh f phrases like sayings but anyway what i'm trying to say is they 
they their biggest concern is just making it really fun and enjoyable. So, you know, things like there's no fall damage, so you can fall from however high and you don't get hurt. Uh you know, being able to just walk over items like money or whatever, and it'll pick it up automatically. There's thousands and thousands of weapons to choose from to find throughout the game and, you know, armors and shields and whatever. Um, tons of enemies. So it's, it's, and in this one, all that's still there. There's even more um, options for guns. They apparently did away with one of the there's elements in the game like they for weapons, you know, some of them will shock you or it's acid or fire, or you know, electricity or whatever. And one of them in the Borderlands 2 was this thing called this substance called slag. And when it got on you, you'd take a lot more damage. Or if you got it on an enemy, they would take more damage. Well, they did away with that. Nobody liked it because you constantly have to like switch weapons to get that on them and then go to another weapon and then shoot them. It was just a lot. So they've done away with that. Um, they've, you know, they just, they make it fun. So they've added guns that like you can switch between uh, elements. They've added, you know, you can run and slide. You can finally climb. So it's like they, they seem to really listen to their audience and their fans and what people like and don't like and then make changes without, you know, kind of being held back by some bullshit ego or like this is my vision for the game. They managed to keep their vision for their game um as far as this content the story um gameplay mechanics for the most part but then they just tweak all the things that people would enjoy more so they just it really does seem like they want you to enjoy their game which is great it's nice to see the gaming industry is weird um so it's nice to see that they're not like pandering but they're also not ignoring their audience which is cool so good for them but yeah zelda super super excited for zelda I got this um, <laughs> this message from at my son's preschool. They all use all the teachers and the staff. They use a an app, so you can communicate with them all day, and they'll you know periodically send pictures or they'll let you know important things going on, whatever. But I get this text from my son started TK transitional kindergarten on Monday, um, but his preschool teacher. She's wonderful. She texted me, and I guess Grace, she was like, you know, uh, he's fine, but uh, he was in the art room, and I, you know, had my back turned when I turned around. A, a kid had <laughs> cut his hair. So there's, she sent me a picture. So there's like two patches gone on his head. It was the most adorable and innocent, like, thing. Um, so, you know, I, all, all I asked was like, is, is everybody okay? She said, yeah. I was like, then it, it's great. It's how, what a cool, fun, silly thing. Um, so it's super cool. You know, but with him, he is such a sweetheart and he's so loving and he, you know, assumes people are good, which I love about him. But it is like, I, I constantly uh, remind myself to, to also reinforce it like, there are boundaries. Don't let people do this. People are not allowed to do this and that. And this is this is how you can potentially respond if somebody tries to do this. And you know, so there's. A, I really have to remember. And who know? I don't know exactly what happened. Maybe the kid just walked up and cut it. Or, but I'm sure it was probably a conversation like, "Can I cut your hair?" Or maybe he said, "I cut my hair." Or whatever. Um. Anyway, it's pretty funny. I think it's adorable. 
I guess some parents would be upset, right? I guess maybe if your kid had long hair, you'd be more upset because it'd be more noticeable or something. But even then, it's just silly kid stuff. It's so innocent of all the things that can happen. You know, that's like a silly story I can tell him when he's older that he'll think is really funny too. And I'll be able to show him this text and picture. So anyway, just kind of neat, little fun story. Um, other than that, I, uh, I've been saying this for a long time. I'm sorry, but it's true now. Uh, I'm Saturday. I'm finalizing all of the mixes for the record. Um, I have like, uh, vocal touch-ups, like some parts that didn't come out right on Friday. Saturday, I'm finalizing all the mixes and making sure it's mastered well. And then I'm locking it up. It's done. So the album is ready for the most part. By, you know, the end of the weekend, it's it's ready to go. Um, still trying to figure out artwork. I actually have a friend who's this awesome artist that I'm considering contacting. I don't know if he'd be into it or what he would charge. But maybe that's a way to go too. Um, however... You know, I do, I'm doing everything on this record. So a part of me is like, well, maybe for the next one, ask him. But for this one, make this all you too. So every single facet, every aspect of this record is from me, um, which is important to me in that just getting this record started, the journey of making it, you know, demoing, writing, recording, not mixing and mastering. And putting it out has been really therapeutic in that, like, I, you know, I didn't make music for 10 years almost. Um, so, yeah, maybe I'll wait and I won't contact him. But for the next one, I will. Because I already have, like, a lot of material for multiple albums. Um, just, you know, like, parts and demos and stuff. Is that sound awful? in the mic of me swallowing. I'm sorry. I'll try to like turn away. I'm not going to go through and edit it out. So if that's a trigger for you, oh, well, toughen up buttercup. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's, uh, what's nice is that because I've kind of chased my tail with this record for so long, it has given me the opportunity to fix some things and redo things that I was lukewarm on. Even last night, there was, there's was there been this bridge section in uh, one of the last songs on the record that um, I liked, but it was just, I don't know, it, it, uh, it didn't, I just didn't, I don't know, it didn't do what I wanted it to do. I didn't feel how I wanted it to. And then last night, I got home late from work, I mean like nine, and I was like, let me just see. And I got it, I think. I mean, I, I like it a lot. So I'm going to listen to it a bit. But I, I mean, I, it's done. It's really cool now. Much more interesting and impactful. Um, so stuff like that is neat. And over the last couple of weeks, there have been a few of those things. You know, kind of like 11th hour. Is that what they call it? Is that the phrase? The 11th hour? I'm going to look that up. Is that it? The 11th hour? 
I think that's the phrase. Right? There's a movie called The Eleventh Hour. It came out in 2007. I don't know. Is that right? Damn it. I hate being dumb. Help me out, Google. The eleventh hour is a phrase meaning at the last moment, taken from a passage in the parable of the workers in the vineyard in the King James Bible. I didn't know it was a Bible thing. Let's find out what that is. What is the eleventh hour in the Bible? Stupid old book. Uh, from a story in the Bible of workmen hired at the eleventh hour that is late in the day. Matthew 26, 26. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? Awesome. Great, guys. Really great, <laughs> wonderful writing. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's, it's out of context. Maybe it's good. There's some, you know, interesting stuff in that book, um, like many books, like this book. Like in the old words, the uh, autobiography of Bigfoot. That's interesting as well. There's good stuff in there. Um, so yeah, so I, I was able to make some changes, tighten up some things, clean up, uh, uh, shift some of the, um, not really arrangement stuff, but just, you know, make it better. There were some guitar parts I was like, eh. It's fine, but it's just fine. So I was able to have the time and I guess the pressure to improve them, which is nice. Um, however, so there's a really fine line of like that pressure can cause, you know, great changes and it can, uh, you know, take things in a better direction, but you can't fuck with it forever. At some point, it's just got to be done. I talked about that before. Um, so that's why I've set a deadline. So Friday, I'm uh, doing my last uh, vocal tracking day, which means no coffee. Coffee is, uh, you know, dehydrates you and fucks up your throat. And then um, Saturday, doing final mixing and mastering and just, you know, making sure it's more or less cohesive all the way through you know levels are right the eqing is appropriate and it's you know that, that's the hardest stuff for me um that's not my skill set i'm not terrible at it but i'm not great at it either i spend way too much time kind of going back and forth and, and i think probably that's due to i don't have much knowledge of what i'm doing i'll kind of like blindly poke around in the dark and then when something is there then i'll look at it. Um, but I do, you know, I, I do read a bit and this great thing now that there's YouTube, uh, you can watch videos of producers and engineers and watch their process. And these are experts, you know, people who top of their field, um, showing you, you know, kind of a, a fairly detailed, uh, walkthrough of what they do. So that's super helpful. Um, but yeah, and then I send it off and let people hear it. But I'm going to do, for sure, two singles. I picked out two that I think are good um, as far as like 
representing, but I think it might be three actually. It's hard with this record because I, I think I mentioned it before. It's not one genre. So if I, I can put out one song that, or even two songs, and then you would think like, oh, this is an indie rock record. Um, but you know, that's at a certain part in the kind of journey of the record. But it's not that way all the way through. So then you'd hear some like heavy rock stuff or even, you know, more leaning toward metal. And you'd be like, this is not the same fucking record. This guy hoodwinked me. I've been bamboozled. Um, and I'm not trying to hoodwink you or bamboozle you. All right. I wouldn't do that. So I'm trying to find, you know, I picked three songs that I think are a good cross section and I might narrow it down to two. Um, but the goal is, and I'm not going to, not that there's a lot writing on this. I could just say a release date and change it if I wanted to. I'm not uh, fucking Taylor Swift. I guess they all change their release dates too. Whatever. So let's say it's, it's the middle of June. It's June 12th. So if I put out a single in, let's say, two weeks to not or maybe maybe even next Friday maybe that would work and then another one two weeks from that and another one two weeks from that or something and then you know mid-August so sometime in August I want to put it out um, but you know I, I want people to know about it so it, it'd be kind of pointless for me to just release it when I have not much of a following, not many people know who I am, so these singles uh, will be used as a way to kind of, in a very, you know, it's it's easier to carry around or to, to hand somebody one thing and be like, here, listen to this, than it is to be like, here's a whole hour-long thing and listen to that. Um, but if, you know, if one of these singles turns you on, then the record will be there for you too. Um, so anyway, that's what I'm doing. Is it bad to overshare? Who gives a fuck? There's so many rules. Damn it. I don't like it. It's dumb. So anyway, really, really fucking excited, man. I, uh, yeah. And I'm really, really excited to work on the next one. And few. I'm excited to just be able to just make music and put it out. It's something I, I started making music in the early 90s and um, mid-90s, I guess. And at that time, there was no... You couldn't just put music out. And then, like, late 90s, early, 2000, early 2000s, um, there was a site called mp3.com where you could record music, upload it, and, like, burn it on a CD or... I think there was like there was some. You could kind of put it out a little bit on the internet, but then MySpace came around and added you know that option. But I really wasn't using. I mean, I had that first record I did that Gooby Goo and Peekers record. Um, we were on MySpace, and and it was you know we got some uh, exposure. We didn't really push it or know how to do it. It was all fairly new stuff, and um, but now you know, it's totally different. There was no social media aside from MySpace and 
Um, but now it's totally different. So I don't know where I was going with that. Whatever. I'm super excited. Um, yeah, I'm not exactly sure the outlets I'll put it at, like the singles I'll put on streaming services for sure. Um, but maybe the record will be just iTunes and, um, Bandcamp for a while. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I'll do that. So you can buy a record. It's whatever it is. Ten bucks or something like that? Come on. You spend ten dollars on, uh, some bullshit. What's bullshit you spend ten dollars on? Fucking Beanie Babies or whatever? Is that where kids do pogs? Uh, let's get some French toast. What's that from? Nope. 40-year-old virgin. Close, though. Good effort. That's a great movie. Who's that woman? The one that gets drunk and throws up on Michael Scott? What's her name? Oh, you guys are not helpful at all. What is her name? Uh, shit. I hate my brain sometimes. It's awesome because I'm so cool. Uh, 40-year virgin. I'm gonna, as soon as I see it, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's her. I hate when people do that. Um, oh, yeah, it's her. Leslie Mann. That's who it is, right? Yeah. She's funny. Isn't she married to, uh, Judd Apatow? Is that her? Who cares? Who gives a shit? Um, anyway. <clears throat> she's funny in that movie. If you've never seen that movie, you should see that movie. Oh, she is married to Judd Apatow. Good for them. I'm looking at... <laughs> I never knew this was a category on IMDb. But there's a... You know, it has her bio. And, uh... You know, her spouse. And then it says trademark. And in parentheses, she has two trademarks. High-pitched voice and strawberry blonde hair. It's good to be known for things that are important. Like those two things. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I just started reading IMDb. I'm sure that's good podcasting, right? But what else is going on? What else is going on? It's fucking hot in LA right now. Um, I had some meetings in the West Valley yesterday, which, uh, you know, I, I grew up out there. It's, it's way hotter. You know, it's a valley, so the heat just sits. And uh, it was 106. That's when my car was reading yesterday. 106. So it's not far off. I mean, obviously, it's sitting there baking in the sun. But, fuck, it was hot. Just miserable. I always get nervous when it gets real hot like this um, for my son because he, he he's kind of prone to overheating. And, uh, you know, if he's sick, he's all, I mean, he's prone to febrile seizures. I don't think I've ever talked about that. Um, so they're not, they're not, it's not epilepsy and it's triggered by like virus. So if he's sick, then and he overheats, his body will 
sees and it's fucking horrifying he's had like i don't know six or something um it's awful i don't know if any of you guys have ever dealt with that uh it's horrific the first time it happened i wasn't with him his mom was with him and she called me like from an ambulance he was i don't know like a year and a half or something I mean, it was the worst, one of the worst moments of my life ever, just being so terrified, probably the worst moment, flying to the hospital, get in there, and he's just laying on a table, just like really out of it, um, and he's had a few since then, he's four now, um, so, you know, when it's real hot, I mean, it doesn't have to be hot, but it certainly doesn't help um, if he's sick, and you know, he's in preschool, TK now so it's like kids are constantly sick they're you know and they have to go through that but it's really scary and uh, you know it's happened a few times here with me at the house and also with his mom watching your child have a seizure is man I don't know you know as a parent you have like you're I'm at least for me. I'm constantly afraid of something happening to him. So with that, something is happening to him, and he can't breathe, and his whole body seizing, and it's, it's terrifying. It's fucking terrifying. You think they're gonna die? Um, <clears throat> and he's been to a, a neurologist, and it's fine, totally normal. And he's on really on the light end of it. You know, I mean, evidently some of these seizures can last minutes. You know, seven, ten, fifteen minutes, uh, and his are you know. 10 to 30 seconds it's not anywhere near what some other people are dealing with and it's also not epilepsy I, I I don't know how I can barely handle dealing you know managing just emotionally hand and processing what he does deal with when he's sick and, and evidently you know kids grow out of it by the time they're six so if you know they're very common I guess from you know six months to six years or five years or whatever it is something like that it's either five or six years very common um and the doctor was like there's nothing to be worried about it's just it sucks but it's fine if it goes on longer than this obviously you need to bring him in but if he's coming out of it that soon and he's communicative and you know it it's just it's just a shitty thing and you know you alternate Tylenol and Motrin and you, you know, constantly, and you know, when I see if his fever or his temperature spikes, that's the danger. You know, if it, when it goes from regular and then it all of a sudden shoots up to 102, then he'll seize. If it's like a really steady, slow increase, you can bring it down and monitor it. So, but that's the hard part is that it can just spike out of nowhere and then he'll seize. Um, you know, so it, when it happens, then it's like, I'm not sleeping at all and I'll, monitor him you know so I'm constantly changing ice packs and then the ice packs eventually wear out you only have so many so then I'm just constantly replacing cold rags and it's like every 90 seconds I'm walking back and forth and switching out cold rags like all night checking his temperature every couple minutes and once you know it's in the evening he's asleep and I'm literally on my feet for 10 hours just walking back and forth just trying to ensure and maybe that's a little obsessive or overkill but you know so if any of you parents or have 
kids with febrile seizures. Like you're not alone. It's awful. Um, what I've started doing recently is I'll like start texting with my sister and she'll kind of tether me or one of my friends who also has kids, her kids never had seizures, but they've had other issues. Her kids are older than mine, you know, eight. So she's dealt with a lot of stuff. So she's a good person that I talk to who kind of like brings me back down to it's horrifying. It really is. And if you're child has you know epilepsy or something much more serious i really feel for you um it's a nightmare it really is hard so when it gets hot i do have some anxiety kicks in uh with my son and i'm just really looking forward to him growing out of it and i know you know some kids with epilepsy they've been remarkable things with cbd oil which i haven't tried with grace and i don't know i need to i need to ask his doctor and see but um yeah, it's fucking awful, man. It's uh, so that, you know, when it happens, I become a mess. I mean, I'm doing everything I can. You know, he's in, he's safe and, you know, it's fine. But you just feel so bad. He's so cool and brave and, you know, he doesn't whine or complain. He's very calm and accepting and he'll just, you know, He's very calm, which is great. And I am calm with him, but on the inside, I'm a mess. Um, you know, and I'm, it makes me so proud of him. Um, and also, I just feel so bad. Like, he he doesn't know what's going on. And I don't even, it doesn't even seem to, like, really freak him out. Um, but, you know, there are times we have to get in the cold bath. And he's fucking crying. And he's so upset. And he's like, Daddy, I, and he's just so honest and and simple in his responses like daddy i want to get out now i don't like this you know while he's crying and then i'll be like okay let's just count sometimes we'll count down from 10 or up to 10 or whatever and then we'll get out and uh man it's just it's a nightmare um you know honestly if your child has any kind of you know potentially life-threatening or just scary thing that they go through i feel for you it's hard it, you're you're always afraid as a parent, and then like when you have something there, it's even worse, man. Um, yeah, it's just it's awful, febrile seizures. Um, so you know if he gets a little sick, I get on edge, and it's hot, it's even worse. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm thinking about now. Um, but you know. That's how it goes, and you just do the best you can. Uh, I don't know where I was going with that. If your kid has anything that worries you, just you know, reach out to somebody who you trust, who has some kind of perspective on it, um, who who is kind of equipped to talk you off a ledge, so to speak. Um, you know, have a having a support system is very new to me. I don't do that. It's not my thing. Um, you know, I've kind of built my whole life on and personality on not talking to people about what I need or ever acknowledging to myself or especially not anyone else that I'm afraid or worried or anxious or, you know, not prepared. So I would just like force myself, you know, as a kid, I, uh, you know, for the most part alone, didn't have a lot of parenting, um, definitely not a lot of teaching, and 
so, and I was also always younger than my friends, like sometimes a lot younger, like years younger. So I would always, you know, be around situations, whether it's like a, a, a physical situation or a mental and emotional situation that I wasn't prepared for, I wasn't ready for, but I wouldn't, you know, m these whatever friends were, um, you know, the, the only people really in my life, you know, parents kind of not so much with the parenting. Um, so, you know, to not be able to participate with them or to be seen as less, it was not okay. I couldn't do that. So I would have to like pretend I was okay with things or ready for things or prepared for things or force myself into situations. And that, you know, obviously led to a lot of really fucked up situations. Um, so, you know, the thought of like communicating that I was, uh, needed help was, it was never an option. It was never even something I considered. Um, which, you know, to be fair, there are some benefits from that that I got from that, you know, but I also didn't establish healthy processes. So, you know, as a, an adult uh, with a son who I want to set a better example for and, 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 and teach better, not just set an example, but actively teach better. Um, it's, you know, part of what I work on in therapy or talk about in therapy and uh, put in the practice. And one of those practices is, uh, you know, trying to create a support system. You know, people I can say, hey, I'm struggling or I'm scared or I need help or I need to vent or, you know, which is, I mean, it's years of practicing this now. Um, but it's good. You know, it, it sometimes I don't like it. Sometimes I, I, I'm disappointed, which in that feeling uh, is literally... Uh, triggering, you know, it, it puts me in a bad place and it um, makes me want to never reach out. But I, I try to like establish healthy boundaries, but also continue to use um, the people in my life uh, to lean on when I need to, as they do with me. So anyway, that's kind of how I've been managing it. I, you know, I'll do all the things for him. I'm taking care of him changing the things I'm up on my feet I'm dead tired my legs start seizing because you know I'm tired and uh usually we'll end up getting a little dehydrated when it comes to that and then just constantly standing walking back and forth but during that to kind of mitigate some of that stress and alleviate some of the pressure I'll just make regular conversation with my sister or with my friend um or we'll talk about it directly and it helps so if, if you, it doesn't have to be your kid going through something, but anything, uh, do reach out to somebody, even if it's just, you need a distraction, which is a highly overlooked and underutilized method of coping, just like healthy distractions, not like, uh, you know, your house is on fire and you're like, oh, I'm just going to like watch TV. Um, but healthy, friendly interactions that aren't focused on necessarily exclusively the problem or the issue is really alleviating. And it feels good to kind of bring yourself back down to reality and not have your whole world be this issue that you can take a break from it and uh, feel normal and feel balanced and feel good. So, you know, 
if that's not something you do, maybe practice it. You know, try it. You know, find a friend that you trust or somebody that you trust, you know, you can speak with, who doesn't judge you, and who is also a level-headed, balanced person who can communicate with you in the way that you need at that time. You know, some people just want to constantly tell you, ah, don't worry about it, or it'll be okay. And it's like, when you're upset, the last thing that you want to be is dismissed. Like, ah, he'll be fine, don't worry about it. Like, that is fucking terrible. Because not only are you really stressed, but now this person is diminishing your feelings about it and, and also ignoring you. You know, bad things do happen. So it, just having somebody say, like, I understand this is very scary and I'm sorry that you're going through it. I am here for you. You know what I mean? Like, don't just say because you don't know how to deal with it or because your fear of intense situations is too much. So you just be like, ah, it's fine. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. You know, people would say that to me with my ex-wife. Like, ah, she won't do that. Motherfucker, she has done things like this before. So I, my fear is founded in truth. It's real. You know, I, you know, it's anything like getting in fights or this not like bad things do happen. So it's like, it's not, you don't just ignore that fact. So, you know, for me, the people that I do communicate with when I'm, you know, real stressed out or like actual stress or I have a lot of anxiety, anticipation, anxiety, whatever are people who can validate that. Not let me wallow in it either, but can validate it, possibly provide a, a, a you know, a educated perspective. Um, and also just be fun and release the pressure that way. So if you're, if you are, if you need to be that person for somebody, you know, don't, the urge to just kind of spout out generic platitudes are, um, is strong, but try not to do that. You know, the, I, I recently posted something on uh, my Instagram about, uh, hey, let's just read it, um, about uh, like essential phrases for healthy conversation. Um, hold on, hold that thought, I'm gonna get some coffee. Sorry, I just had to make sure I was still recording. Um, and uh, so here they are. This isn't everything, but it's a good place. You know, if you don't know, I didn't know that I could be a lot better at communicating, you know, especially prior to therapy. I didn't know. And some of the stuff I learned like directly from my therapist, like her kind of coaching me through uh, options of how to handle certain things. But far more, it's it was just um, benefiting or, or feeling the way, acknowledging the way she made me feel when we would talk. So I would notice that she would ask me certain questions or give me breath or space to sit in something or she would respond in different ways and she would validate me as well and that was things I didn't know to do that it wasn't intentional like I don't want to do this I just didn't know 
um, you know, conversation is a practiced skill. Listening is a practiced skill. And usually we're not taught how to do that uh, directly. And most of us aren't even shown through example how to do that. Um, so anyway, I just, my Instagram is geared towards uh, healthy life practices. So whether that's exercise related, self-defense, nutrition, parenting stuff with my son, and just, you know, communicate. I just want people to be happier and better. And, and these are the things that I do that have helped me and, you know, could work for you too. So anyway, I'll just, I'm gonna go through them. That'll be fun. Um, let me just go through. I don't want to like get on a big thing about it. So I hear you is a massive one. When somebody says something and you just say to them, I hear you. It's huge. Because again, it, we just want to be validated, you know, in the, or like I see you or I understand what you're saying or I understand how you feel. Um, the understand how you feel or what you're saying can be tricky. Some people get defensive with that. But just I hear you, you know, is really important. You think about like when you're in your car driving and somebody cuts you off or doesn't wave when they when you let them in and you get angry well the reason you're angry is because you feel ignored or unseen like you don't matter that's what they're because you don't have to they don't have to look at you they don't have to talk to you you're so separated by this bubble and distance and time that you're going to pass each other and there's millions of you out there so it doesn't matter but the thing that you know road rage what's that that is bringing up for people is this feeling that that you don't matter you don't exist and that feeling is awful. Some people respond by just kind of turning inward and getting small. And some people lash out because that feeling is so awful or scary or disgusting. And they need to attack that person like, fuck you. You can't make me feel this way. I'm going to hurt you or I'm going to scare you or whatever. I need to, I can't, this is not going to sit in me. This has to come back at you. So it's like just saying, I hear you when somebody tells you something, especially if it's like they have an issue with you. And you just say, I hear you. Instead of immediately becoming defensive, you say, I hear you. Very, very good. You know, it's like asking, how do you feel about that? When somebody says something like, I'm, this happened to me. Instead of just immediately going, well, this is what you should do. Just ask how they feel about that. Try to, you know, get more from them. Allow them time to, maybe they didn't even think about how they felt about it. And when you ask, now they're presented with an opportunity to ask themselves how they feel about it. You know, also validating somebody like that sounds difficult or that sounds exciting. Can you tell me more about that? Or even also this is something I never used to do. I don't understand. Would you explain more or can you explain that? Like, I would never tell people, you know, like I talked about earlier, I wouldn't want to show that I didn't know or couldn't do. So I would never ask somebody if they would explain it further or tell them I didn't understand. And that was just on me. That had really nothing to do with them. I just, I, so that's a big practice. Even like forget about how you communicate with other people. That's a big thing about how you communicate with yourself saying, I don't understand. Would you explain taking that uh, honest and vulnerable approach of saying, I didn't, I don't get that. Um, you know, thank you for sharing. Thank you for asking something I do a lot too. You know, if somebody's really angry or whatever. I just say that, like, I'm noticing that you're upset. And that's it. No judgment. It's not. It's just a statement of fact. Sometimes reflecting those behaviors or feelings back to people can be big. And sometimes it's, it's uh, you know, they freak out. They can't handle it. And that's fine. The, you know, when somebody gets angry, the part of the practice is not 
immediately becoming combative with them. Like they become combative and then you have to defend yourself. You don't. Just they're just this is their process and it's unfortunate that they haven't found or been shown or been taught a better healthier way to work through that stuff, but it's not about you. Um also, you know, something I wouldn't do either like if I was upset, I just wouldn't say anything or I would be aggressive when I said something. Instead, you know, you can try like, may I ask you about, or you said something and I wanted to ask you, or you did something and I, I wanted to talk to you about it or ask you about it, really big. When somebody says something, instead of saying, you know, just moving on from it, you can ask like, what do you think that means? Like, oh, when somebody tells you this or that happened, or you tell somebody this or that happened, and that person says, or you say to them, what do you think that means? Again, you're creating space for questions. Questions are the greatest gift we have as uh, a language-based species, that we can form questions and achieve greater understanding. It's a really big deal. Um, when somebody communicates something about like a, a fear or a anxiety, you know, saying something like, well, well, tell me what you're afraid of or, or what is it that is scary about that? Again, just putting somebody in a position, not forcing them, but just giving some of the opportunity to talk out their problem or their fear or their anxiety. It's big. Just saying it out loud. Sometimes you go like, oh, I didn't even know I felt that way. Or you say it and you're like, that's I don't really even feel that way. That's like what came to me, but that's not even true. Like that's not that's not what I feel. Um, but yeah, may I talk to you about and then the biggest one is just I'm sorry. You know, if, if you, Louis C.K. had an amazing line in his show, his last show. Not his last show, in Louis. And it was, uh, when somebody tells you you made them feel a certain way, you don't get to say that you didn't. And it's, yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. If somebody, if you, if somebody feels a certain way, feeling is not, you know, for me, I, I didn't, I never felt my feelings until recently. So, uh, if somebody came to me with feelings, I would like attack them with logic and facts, but those are separate, you know, something happening as a fact and the way you feel about it is totally different. For example, I can knock my cup on the floor and it can shatter. That's a fact. It happened. Now, if there's five of us in the room, we're all going to feel differently about it. The fact is the cup or I knocked the cup on the floor and it shattered. That's the fact. That's can't change. That's what happened. However, the five people in the room, we're all going to feel differently about it. So you can't combat feelings with logic or vice versa. It's, they're separate things, not separate, but they're different things. They run parallel to one another. Um, so, you know, if somebody tells you that you hurt them or you made them feel this or that, you know, part of, you don't always have to apologize, but most of the time, like, that's just how they feel. There's not an argument there. So just saying, I'm sorry. Would you tell me more about that? I'm sorry. I made you feel that way. Can we talk about that? I would, I don't want you to feel whatever. That's a big thing. You know, I, I know people, I have family members and uh, even friends. 
not even no, not friends. I family members and an ex-wife. Um who like I can't think of one time that they've said sorry. I'm sorry. Without a PS, but if this was because you did but who just can own that you know because the butt or whatever is like a, a deflecting they can't take that they hurt something or did something bad or said something whatever so just practicing you know if somebody says something you just say i'm sorry but you know and just that's it you don't have to explain it you know if anything you can say i'm sorry what can i do in the future to not make you feel that way or what would what would help to change that later or now or how can we work through it now can we talk about it now and get over it and then you'll also see you know when you apologize and somebody just wants to keep yelling at you and be mad it's not really about this shit either they just want to be mad for whatever reason you know i talked about that like on like my second or third podcast something like that where there was a misunderstanding between myself and this girl who's a friend of a friend and uh i apologize and she just wanted to be mad it was just a misunderstanding nothing even actually happened but she just wanted to be mad she just wanted to keep fighting and i stopped i was like hey i i heard what you had to say already and then i apologized and that's it there's nothing if you just want to keep being mad there's no there's no further movement in this conversation i apologized i you know and that's it and then so you, it can also put you in the position to see where you're at and where that person is at too and i didn't I wasn't mad at her that she needed to be mad. It's just what she needed to be. But I, I apologized and I meant it. And, uh, you know, I did these things too. Like I, I didn't want, I would never want you to feel that way. I apologize uh, for my behavior. And that's it. After that, it's out of your hands. So anyway, those are good things to practice. Um, and you'll see like perhaps you don't do any of them and just start putting them in. It'll make a really big difference, not just in how you communicate with people and they with you, but just how you feel during the day around people after you go home, you'll see that like it, it's a big shift. Um, your perspective changes too. When it, it, it allows you to practice not being uh, drawn in to someone's dysfunction or toxicity or, you know, their trauma or what, you know, not immediately being defensive, a lot of that's what you're practicing with these things. So anyway, something to think about or try. There was, um, I follow this company on Instagram called Fright Rags. And they're like a horror-inspired clothing, shirts and whatnot. And they posted something yesterday of like, it was the Halloween uh art that you know the poster the pumpkin with the knife uh and it had like the rainbow f overlay in support of pride month and they had a story in it about this woman who works there and her girlfriend are they married i don't think they're married but her girlfriend who also works there, and the story about how they met and how the halloween movie met allowed them to meet and now they you know they lived on opposite sides of you know, one in LA, one in New York, and now they both live in New York and they work for Fright Rags. And like this movie was a kind of catalyst for their, you know, whatever, five-year relationship. And it's been wonderful. A really nice story. And uh, someone, I just happened to see a comment 
I never read comments, but it was right there at the top. And somebody said like, well, I'm unfollowing. And I saw like a bunch of people shitting on him. And it made me feel bad. Like that's a, that's a teaching opportunity. Not, you know, uh, getting in his face and being like, you, you need to learn better. So I, and I tried to comp, I tried to, I messaged him through the comments. Um, it's just like, you know, I'm sorry that the a story of two people being in love is painful or upsetting for you. Um, and then, you know, he said something about like, you know, I don't understand what, you know, these are just regular people, you know, veterans should have. And it was a weird deflection that like the thought of celebrating the LGBTQ plus community caused him to say that veterans need. So one thing I did was like, one thing I said rather was that he's right, that veterans do deserve more, that they need to be, they should be treated better when they come home. And he was right. And I didn't attack him like, but that has nothing to do with the, no. Instead, I said, you know, a lot of veterans, people who serve their country, are homosexual, are gay, lesbian, trans, non-binary, whatever other marginalized. Um, it's you know it's a wide spectrum. So it's like a lot of these men and women will go and serve their country, whether that's agree with that or not, um, and they're praised for it. And then when they come home, not only are they not cared about as a veteran, but they have their rights taken away or they have to be terrified of being beaten or imprisoned, depending on what country, um, even state or murdered, you know, and people can use the gay panic defense. Does it like, ah, I was, I don't like gay people. So I killed him or her, or I don't like trans people. So I killed him or her, you know, so Celebrating one thing doesn't deny something else. And that's what I told him. Like, I, I understand that one person or one group of people being acknowledged that isn't you can feel like you're being unseen or ignored. But that's not true. You matter also. It's just these people, this group of people has is persecuted. And they need... And, and, if, and if this Pride Month, which is just a, a word, if this Pride Month gives, you know, a someone in the LGBTQ plus community a chance to voice or to be seen because it's safe and they feel like not only does that help them heal and, and grow and feeling that they're accepted and they're a person and they matter and they're valid, but that may, even if, if it's only a couple people, that may reach somebody who otherwise might have feared or hated them. And change their mind. And slowly over time, maybe eventually, that'll get us to a place where we can heal and accept one another and be people together. And unfortunately, like somebody else agreed, like chimed in, like as we were having this conversation, somebody was like, yeah, I agree with you. And then he took that to just be like, okay, I'm only talking to this guy because he agrees with me. But maybe he'll think about what was said anyway the next time he wants. Because, you know, people make the same bullshit arguments about, well, you know, black lives matter. Well, white lives matter too, or all lives matter. Yeah, 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 fine. But, you know, all lives aren't being murdered in the street by our law enforcement with no repercussion. So, you know, it's okay to say black lives matter. It's okay to say, you know, 
celebrate Pride Month or, you know, uh, celebrate. I mean, anybody, I mean, there's so many fucking persecuted people around the world, especially in this country. It's okay to celebrate them. It's not taking anything away from you. Um, but it was a weird thing for him to go to like the veteran thing. Like that was his deflection of like, well, veterans from in most people's eyes sacrifice more. So they should, but it's like, why, you know, and they kept going, I'm not homophobic. I have a gay aunt. It's like, dude, that doesn't mean you can't be homophobic. And what the hell does that matter? You're still saying that these people shouldn't, you literally are saying they shouldn't have a month to celebrate them. They don't deserve it. So clearly you have a problem with them. But anyway, I don't know. It was weird. But the point is, I did try to approach it from a perspective of helping, not judging them, not shaming them for their stupid opinion, but just helping them. And I get the argument that like sometimes shame is good and you should yell at people for this and that. Okay. But that it comes from, and that, that doesn't heal anything. It doesn't change anything. Nobody's behavior changes by yelling at them. If you yell at somebody, they become defensive and now they're going to entrench themselves in their view and that's it. It's over. So when somebody has a different view or a shitty view, you know, it's hard, but practice finding some kind of compassion or empathy or love for them and communicating from that level of like, hey, I understand what you're saying. I hear you. Here's another perspective. But again, with no judgment, just saying, and it, it, I'm saying this, but it's hard. And I've been working on this for years as a practice. Anyway, something to think about. I'm, uh, I think I'm all out of stuff to say. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please, uh, subscribe and, uh, rate and review on iTunes. Subscribe and like and comment on YouTube. My Twitter is at Graham Baker. Instagram at Instagram Baker. At Greyhouse Music. Is it official Greyhouse Music? At Greyhouse Music on Instagram as well. I think I'm going to have to do like a website at some point too, right? I don't know. Pardon me. But anyway, website is GrahamBaker.com. Do all the stuff. Um, by liking and subscribing on YouTube, you... Uh, help out the algorithms, same thing on Instagram or Twitter, or whatever, to let people see me more. Uh, and also, you know, if you like the podcast, share it, tell people about it. Let's, uh, let's have a big fucking love fest. All right, everybody. Peace.